0: Great to be with you. I've been gone, been traveling to different ones of our church plants around the world, just got back from the Middle East and Israel. And just to give you a little update, it was a really unique experience because three days before I was to go, my traveling companion, Brian, he's in the service right here, his passport didn't come through. And so we were like, no, this is not good. Uh, Just Warning, all, all people's people always have passports. You never know when God's going to send you. And um, so I, I'm, I'm freaking out. I don't, I don't tell anyone except my assistant, Audrey, and so we're praying. And if you wonder why Stephen was gone for the last two weekends, it's because Stephen leaves me a voice message that night. He doesn't know what's going on. He goes, Robert, I just felt led to, to leave you this message that two people last month gave me a prophetic word. Both of them were, were from Texas saying, you've got to get to Israel. Like the next move of God is tied to, to Israel. You need to get there. So I'm, I'm, I'm going, this is unbelievable. I call him at 6.30 a.m. and I say, Stephen, you know those words you had about going to Israel? You want to go this weekend? And uh, so it worked out. That's why we were both gone. It was amazing. But the Lord just works out everything according to his plan. Our plans are not always his plan. So because uh, Brian had to cancel his flight, I get on the plane and in the seat that Brian's supposed to be in is this stewardess. And uh, she's, she's from South Korea. And she goes, I wasn't supposed to, we start talking. She goes, oh, I wasn't supposed to be here, but all of a sudden the seat just opened up. And I go, well, I know I know why. So my friend had to cancel his flight. She starts sharing and she says this. She says, um, there was one of my family members that committed suicide. And she said, and there's like a curse on my, on my family for suicide. And I said, have you been battling with that? And she starts explaining yes. And we start talking about Jesus. And she starts crying. And right there in the plane, she gives her life to Jesus. Um, I, I lead her in a prayer, commanding any, any uh, suicidal spirit and attack to leave. She's just boo-hooing. She goes, can I just hug you? So she's just like holding me. And I don't know what the guy next to us thought was going on. But um, anyway, I got off the plane and I texted Brian immediately. I'm like, I'm so sorry you didn't get to come, but your loss just led to someone's salvation. So, uh, and it was just amazing. And, and the trip was just like that. I, I was so proud of our team serving in the Middle East and they battled through uh, through getting sick. Trevor was one of them. Uh, he was on the trip and, and they were just shining the light of Jesus. Guys, people are just open and hungry wanting to read scripture with our people. It's amazing what God is doing in the Middle East right now. We went on from there into Israel. God's opening up incredible doors for our people there. They are paying a price, the ones that are worshiping. You might have seen on the news, there were there were rioters. Right before I went to preach, I went to preach in the largest congregation in, in uh, Jerusalem. They sent me a, a video of all the people writing. They said, just want you to know what you're going to get into this, this morning, but nothing happened. People came to the Lord. Uh, just amazing what God is doing. Let me jump into our message because some of it has to do with what's going on in Israel. Today, I want to talk to you, it wasn't my plan, but I felt very strongly when I came back to talk to you on the topic, calling America back to God. So this weekend, as we celebrate Independence Day, I want to talk to you on the topic, calling America back to God. In the 1800s, when you put up the picture of Mark Twain, Mark Twain went and visited because of the, uh, was able to go on a steamship. There he is. Uh, famous, famous author in American history. He goes and visits Israel, and he is just uh, shocked by how ugly the country is at that time, how broken down it was. Look at this quote of what he says in the 1880s. He says this, Palestine, that's what Israel was called before Uh, before 1948, Palestine is desolate and unlovely. The further we went, the hotter the sun got and the more rocky and bare repulsive and dreary the landscape became. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil had almost deserted the country. If you go to Israel now, it's one of the most beautiful places. You're walking the streets. There are these beautiful, lush parks um, let me just read to you uh, what, what Israel, how Israel leads the, the world. Uh, Israel's only the size of New Jersey, so it's tiny. And yet, it's in the top 10 nations for the world's strongest political alliance. It has the top five world military power. It's in the top 10 in world political influence. It ranks number five in the world for the technology research. There's more Nobel Prize winners in that country per per capita than any other country. And it's known as the Silicon Valley of the Middle East. It's absolutely amazing. And to hear what Israel was like in the 1880s and to see it now, to walk the streets of Tel Aviv and say, this is newer and cleaner than San Diego, California. Uh, it's, It's astounding. But when you hear the secular political leaders talk about why the country's prospering so much, they say this, to believe in modern Israel is to believe in the miraculous hand of God. That's what the secular leaders are saying. They said, you can't believe in modern Israel without believing in the miraculous hand of God. You see, what happened throughout history in Israel is this. God would take this little nation And he'd do amazing works when people cried out to God. But then if they turned away from him, if they got prideful, if they got sensual, if they got sinful, then God would discipline them. And so you see this pattern over and over and over again through Scripture until current times when there was a miracle of them being rebirthed and now being one of the most prosperous nations on the earth. And so what I want to talk to you about today is this. If you look at Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 8, if you turn there with me, it says this. This is the word of God to Israel, but it's the word of God to us because Scripture is very clear that all Scriptures God-breathed for training and rebuking the people of God. It says this, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Now listen to this very carefully. When you've eaten and are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. We're at an inflection point in our own country. It is God who blesses nations. It is God who raises up nations. It is God who brings prosperity. Listen to this scripture, Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When America makes God our Lord, our nation is blessed. When we turn away from God, we will be disciplined. We will fall under a curse. Today, as I talk about bringing America back to God, I want to talk to you about the four prophetic calls on this nation. If we continue to live out these calls, we will be blessed according to scripture. If we turn away from them, we will lose the blessing and protection of God. Do you know that America can be saved? America can be blessed. Let me talk about calling number one. Calling number one, to be a nation devoted to God. To be a nation devoted devoted to God. Please do not believe the modern historians that are trying to write God out of our history. If you study history, if you are a true student of history, you will go back even before 1776 to see the Plymouth Brethren, to understand the pilgrims. Most of us made hand turkeys in kindergarten. Remember those stories William Bradford the second governor dubbed them the pilgrims why out of the 1587 Geneva study bible where it talks about in Hebrews 11:13 where the believers of God and his promises were known as pilgrims that's why they're called pilgrims it's straight out of Hebrews 11 in 1620 102 of them sailed from America Do you know what they signed? They signed the Mayflower Compact. In the compact, it declared that they had migrated to the new world to promote the glory of God. This is in the Mayflower Compact. And advance the Christian faith. Do not let someone tell you that this country didn't have Christian roots and Christian foundations. This is what Bradford wrote As they landed, being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed ye God of heaven, who had brought them over ye vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all ye perils and miseries thereof. And I'm glad we don't say ye anymore. Here's the thing, was everyone perfect in our founding? No, they were imperfect. As I share these stories, you have to get over that God is sovereign in human acts and that he's sovereign over imperfect people. Praise God, he uses me. He uses you. Let's look at the uh, Declaration of Independence signed on what day? July 4th. That's what we're celebrating this week. Let's look at the Declaration of Independence. I wonder if you've actually looked at it. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of earth the separate and equal station to which the... Watch this. Where did they believe that they were given this power to set up a new country? The laws of nature and nature's... Nature's... This is in our Declaration of Independence. God's entitle them. Okay, let's keep going. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their... Okay, where do we get these rights? Where do the rights come from that Americans to be free from their creator with certain inalienable rights and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Whenever our country has turned to God, its effects are an uplift in society. It's not just our country. You look in the late 1600s, Britain was in a time of great peril, a great decay of incredible poverty, and uprises the Methodists, Wesley Whitfield, preaching the gospel, organizing people into groups called Methodism, following the methods of God. It transforms society prostitution goes down, homelessness goes down, drunkenness goes down. In the Great Awakenings, if you study the Great Awakenings, they weren't just times of people coming into an awareness of spirituality. But what you see, listen to the effects of the Second Great Awakening, the abolition the abolition of slavery, temperance of alcohol, access to education, voting rights, and prison reform all became issues of social improvement brought on by the belief of equity before God. How do we respond as people? How do we respond as people? First, pray. And we're called to be a people of prayer. God hears our prayers and heals our land. This is what scripture says. It says this, See, I'm standing before you today, a blessing and a curse. A blessing is if you obey the commands of the Lord I'm giving you today. Listen to this from 1 Timothy 2 about prayer, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I want to tell you, you watch people, you watch leaders, and we get angry. Let me Encourage you. Let that anger. Anger actually isn't bad. It's you actually should be angry when people are doing wicked things. But that anger, what do you do with it? Let it drive you to intercession. Let that anger awaken you. That anger is actually good because you're waking up. But let it drive you in intercession and pray. I just I wonder what would happen if Christians spend as much time praying as complaining. So maybe if we just pray half as much as we complain, we'd have so many leaders coming to know the goodness of Jesus. Pray, preach boldly. Wherever you are, we need you sharing the gospel. Uh, one of the reasons I get to lead people to the Lord is because I actually share the gospel. If you just start talking about you, tell your story and talk about Jesus. You're like, but man, I'm in a godless place. That's why he put you there. Right? That's so good. But I'm the only Christian. Great! Then you're a missionary. Sent to your school. Sent to your hospital. Sent to your workplace. Let's just boldly and lovingly share. But what if people reject me? Then just keep going. Right? That's what, that's what Jesus says. says, shake the dirt off your feet. Right? Just keep going. But share boldly. And let's pray passionately. But let's not give up on our country. Calling number two. Calling Number two, to stand with, to to bless Israel. Okay, this this is not something I always carried in my heart. I remember uh, we, as you guys know, we're 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 bought this amazing piece of land, and we're going to build a facility because we don't own this place, and and uh, we have to move, and so we were looking and looking for several years, and they told us there wasn't a place in, and we wanted to be in the city of San Diego, and they said, there doesn't exist a place like that in San Diego, and I remember one of our board members coming and saying, you guys need a breakthrough, you guys need to bless Israel, and I said, okay, I don't get that, like, why, because you need to bless the Jewish people, I said, like, why, he goes, well, Jesus was a Jew, okay, and he said, All the apostles were Jews, and they actually brought the gospel to the Gentiles, which is you. He goes, all the books of the Bible, besides one, were written by Jews. Um, You were given so many blessings, but furthermore, that God says he'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Given to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, what I'm not saying is you have to agree with every single thing that Israel does politically, but what I am saying is don't be against the Jewish people. We need to protect them. There's a great wave of anti-Semitism going throughout the land. And God is saying this, if you bless them, you will be blessed. So we said, okay, well, we don't really get it, but we're going to do it. So we immediately started giving to the poor and and the needy among the Jewish people. We started praying for Israel. We started praying for the, the peace in Jerusalem. And in one week, we're called and said, there's six acres on the freeway, which was our Absolute dream. We just hadn't told anyone. See, straight across from San Diego State, where we started, and then someone immediately gives us one point three million dollar gift to buy it, and we went, "Huh? This is this is working? Like God? God actually knows what he's talking about? Tweet that. God knows what he's talking about." Um, we we were we were blown away. But let me just tell you, I still I didn't have a heart for the, the Jewish people. I didn't have a heart for Israel. Um, and so I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if if there's something you want me to carry, you you're just gonna have to take me there. I just I need you to take me there. So I said Lord that, you you just gotta do that because I'm I, I don't have a softness. I don't have a heart for this. Well I, I get a call one morning as I'm spending time walking on on my path it's right before our sabbatical and Audrey one of our pastors, who's my assistant, also says, Robert, you just received a very large gift to your, your ministry travel account. And I went, oh, my gosh, I wonder what that's for. On the same walk, within an hour, I get a call from Dr. Jim Garlow saying, Robert, will you guys come to Israel with us? And he said that how much the trip would cost, and it was like almost the exact amount. I went, oh, my goodness, God, you are doing something. I get to Israel and basically I just cried through the whole trip. God was just meeting us. He was opening up my eyes to scripture. He was reaffirming our call to plant thousands of churches. But then at the end, he started showing us, you're called to the restoration of Israel. And I've been on a journey of of studying that. And God is just opening up amazing door after door. You see how a nation treats Israel will determine how it's judged, whether it's blessed. Listen to this. It says this in Joel chapter three. In those days, at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, and let me just tell you, the fortunes have been restored. If you're there, you'll see all nations coming to this place, I will gather all nations. So this is talking about the end of the end times. I will gather all nations and bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, or that's the Kidron Valley between the Eastern Gate and the Mount of Olives. There I'll put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. Can I tell you how nations will be judged is how they treat the nation of Israel. You see, God's hand has been on the United States In so many ways, I believe because we have harbored the Jewish people and still with Israel like no other country on earth. Let me just give you another little piece of history that you might not have put together. I've been doing a deep dive for the last five years. What year did Columbus sail the ocean blue and discover the Americas? 1492, we all know that. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But do you know what else was going on in 1492? Well, first of all, what country did Columbus sail from? Spain, okay, you, you're, you're, you're getting this. What happened in 1492 in Spain? King Ferdinand and Isabella issue a decree casting out, kicking out all Jews. It was the climax of the Inquisition. The Inquisition that said, you convert or you die. So these Jewish families, just study this in history, these Jewish families fund Columbus. He discovers. The Americas, and over the next years, the Jewish people start landing in the Americas, and where do they end up? In the United States. The United States has harbored more Jewish people than any other country in the world. Could it be that God's hand has been so strongly on us because we have been the safe place to harbor the Jewish people and stand with them? And then in 1948, what happens? Harry Truman, the president of the United States, there's been tons of anti Semitism launched against the Jewish people, and 1948, he cast the deciding vote in the UN that allows Ju- the Jewish people to go back to their land and for Israel to be reborn in 1948. And he says of himself, he says, I am Cyrus. Who was Cyrus? Cyrus was the king, the pagan king in the Old Testament from the Assyrian Empire, who allowed the Jewish people to go back and rebuild Israel. Could it be that the prosperity and blessing has been on us because we stood with God's people? Let us not depart from it now. Let us not turn from that now. How do you respond to this? If you don't have a heart for the Jewish people, if you don't have a heart for Israel, just start praying like I did. God, break my heart. Change my heart. Maybe you can ask God to take you there. What else can we do? We can stand against anti-Semitism. It's exploding on our colleges why? It's a, it's a demonic infusion. Am I saying the Jewish people are perfect? Am I saying the politics is perfect? No! They never have been! Right? They're just people, just like we are, but they're God's chosen people. He says they're the apple of my eye, and if we strike them, he'll strike those who strike them. So let's stand with the Jewish people. Let's believe for their blessing. As they are blessed, we will be blessed. Amen? All right, calling number three. Some of you guys are looking shell-shocked. Were you thinking I was just gonna talk on like hamburgers and hot dogs and fireworks on July 4th? No, this is church. (laughs) Calling number three, to be a light to the nations. The United States has been raised up to be a light to the nations. On the entrance into New York Harbor, when you see Ellis Island, what do you see? You see the Statue of Liberty, but do you know the inscription on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, this prophetic sign to our country. Let me help you see it to understand why there's been so much blessing on our country. It's because it's been the heart of God. Do you know that God's heart is for the nations? Do you know, let me just say that again, church. Do you know that God's heart is for the nations? Right, Psalm 67, let the nations be glad. Let them praise you. Some in the islands of the world, listen to what, it says, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. What is it saying? That America is not supposed to be this, this conquering, tyrannical force that just destroys other nations. It's saying, no, that's not it. Here at our sea sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman, the statue of liberty, with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, mother of exiles. God has always been about the stranger and the foreigner. From her beacon and hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command, next slide. (laughs) The air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame, keep ancient lands your storied pomp, Cries she with silent lips, give me. You're tired, you're poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. This country has always been and needs to always be about people who are seeking freedom, free to live, free to worship. The wretched refuse of your teething shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden shore. The United States has been blessed because it's carried God's heart for the broken and needy of the nations, wanting a place for freedom. But it goes beyond that. Do you know that the United States has been the greatest mission-sending center on earth in history? Even today, do you know that the United States sends four times more missionaries than the second greatest sending nation on earth. And I love what God's doing. We're a part of it. In the 80s and 90s, there was an explosion of short-term young missions missionaries being sent to the nations. That's what we just did this morning is we sent 28 young people to South Africa to work with our churches in South Africa and planting churches Throughout Africa, that's what our team was doing in the Middle East and in up in Eastern Europe. And we just saw a great number of people come to the Lord in Mexico. Our country has been raised up to welcome the nations and to send out and bless the nations. If we turn from that, we turn from our prophetic call, God has raised us up. And I know our country's messy. And I know we export a lot of junk overseas. I've just been there and seen it have been appalled, but as we stand to be a light to the nations, God will bless us. Matthew 24, 14, in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Could it be that God's prospered America, arguably more than any other nation, because our nation has sent more people to take the gospel to the nations of the world? How can you be a part of that? You can pray. You could be a part of this church because this church is all about that. You can give. When you give to this church, it helps us service our missionaries around the world. You can support global workers, probably sitting on your row is someone who will go to the nations. You can help them go there. You can go on short-term trips with us. God's Favor is on our country because we are caring not just about our country, but we welcome the nations and we bless the nations. Point number four. Point number four, this is definitely the most serious and somber one. To be a humble and pure nation. Men and women of God, we have lost our way on this one. The scripture says this, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The most famous scripture on revival, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What's the opposite of humility, pride, arrogance, Sensuality is the opposite of purity. On a base, sexuality. You can't turn on TV right now. Primetime TV without being appalled by the things that are being championed in our country. Even our churches, some of our churches are promoting the very things that God judged and are against what this Bible teaches. How do we respond as people? We grow in Jesus' love. We love the sinner. You wanna learn how to love the sinner, look at the person next to you and pray for your heart (laughs) because they're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We need to love sinners, but we need to hate the sin. We need to boldly call what's wrong and what is an abomination towards God what's wrong. How do you learn that? It's not by what politicians say. It's not by what actors say. It's not by the latest tweet or TikTok. It's not by how it feels. It's by what this book says. If you read this book, it will tell you what is right and what is wrong. And when we obey this book, God blesses us and prospers us. And so how do we respond as people? First of all, we humble ourselves. We say, you are God, I am not. Whether I like it or not, you're right, I'm wrong. We have too many Christians just saying, well, I kind of like this, but I don't really like that. No, that's not our choice. We have a good, perfect father, and he promises to bless us if we'll obey his ways how else do we respond? We don't call out the evil of this world and then go and do that very evil behind closed doors. So men and women of God, it's time to turn from sexual perversion. It's not right to say, well, I can't believe what people are doing and then go and sleeping with our boyfriends and girlfriends. It's not okay to say, I can't believe the sexual perversion and then go and look at internet pornography. Right? Oh, I hate sex slavery. And then you're doing the very things that are promoting the drive for sex slavery by your hunger for illicit material. The power of the Holy Spirit can set you free. The power of the Holy Spirit can keep you out of bed with someone. The power of the Holy Spirit can keep you from searching your phone for illicit material. The power of the Holy Spirit can keep you from gratifying the sensual desires. And the power of the Holy Spirit can keep you from, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how crazy this world is. And then we're going and doing the very things with substances and getting into all kinds of things. And, and, oh, my gosh, this dark spirituality. And then we're paying our money to go watch it on, on our movie theaters. I'm trying. Um. I actually don't want to preach it. I want us to live it. Um, and uh, I want to tell you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If you've given your life to Jesus and you can be free. And the world is, 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 is needy. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad people are being bold I'm so glad people are speaking out against unrighteousness. I'm so glad people aren't just, discontin- you know, people are going, okay, I'm going to stop endorsing that with my money. I'm going to stop attending. This. They'll say, that, that's great. I, it really is. But what the world needs is to see bright, shining, in love, pure, Jesus-worshipping people. That is irresistible. That is irresistible. And that's what will change our nation for good. Let's stand up.